I want to take a moment and blow your mind. I can't blow your mind, but Jesus can. Listen to his word. And the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now let that sink in. Jesus becomes flesh, dwells among us, and we see his glory as the only son from the Father, and we see the grace and truth that only can come from God. I love how the message puts it. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that great? Can you sink your teeth in that? The word became flesh and blood and just moved in. Wow. Dwelt among us. Moved in the neighborhood. God leaves his throne, goes to a world that doesn't know him. Some don't want him. All do not live for him. And he tents among us, becomes one of us, so we can see his glory, so we can understand his grace, so we can experience his truth. He starts as a baby. He's watched for 33 years, all the time showing his glory, all the time delivering his grace, all the time teaching his truth. And then he sends his Holy Spirit as he leaves this world. And he sends his Spirit to indwell us. To live in us. To give us his grace. To teach us his truth. Have you ever wondered Has it ever made you ponder why at the moment of salvation we aren't immediately raptured to heaven? I mean, think about it. Why couldn't God just put up a big billboard somewhere? You walk up, you read it. Hey, that makes sense. I pray the prayer. Wouldn't that be great? You know, so much easier. He doesn't do it that way, does he? You're here because somebody was indwelled by the Spirit, filled with grace, filled with the glory of God, spoke truth to you. And you met Jesus. That's called the Incarnation. Listen to Jesus as he, as he prays in John 17, starting in verse 14. I have given them your word, 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, you know, but that you keep them from the evil one. <laughs> they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Put your name there. So I have sent Greg into the world. Jesus is saying, I've sent you people of God into this world to be just like me. People who re reveal the glory of God and show His grace, show His truth. We call that incarnational living. You say, what does incarnational mean? It means very simply bringing God to this world, bringing Christ to this world, living Jesus in this world. What does this look like? Number one, you reflect the light of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3. And we all, with unveiled face, that's uncovered face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And what he's saying here is, we're uncovered, and we're revealing the glory of God. It's the light of God. We're revealing it. Now, I, I, I want you to see the picture. God removes the veil. It separates us from the understanding of His glory, and we see the glory, which is Jesus Christ, and the glory of Christ transforms us, and this is from the Lord's Spirit, so the Trinity's at work, and God is transforming us through the glory of Christ under the direction of the Spirit of God, and He shines that glory on us, and it changes us, and our job is to reflect that glory. Now, I'm from the era before cell phones. So when I was in high school, we all wore wristwatches. Any of you from that era? Oh, yeah. You connect. Yeah, I've got a tribe. How many of you got bored in high school? And you'd take your watch and you would reflect it on somebody else in the room and shine it in their eyes. Any, any of you care to admit it? Your teacher isn't here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you would do it, Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd sit there and you'd just try to see who you could shine it on. Now, if you had a crush on a girl, you'd kind of, <laughs> what did you say? You got a date out of it? And you married her. Now that's a story. Yeah. You reflected the light. You'd play with it. You'd play with the beam of light. And then, you know, technology advanced. And I remember the first 
pointers. Remember the first laser, laser pointers? And you'd buy them, and you'd take them to class, and you'd point them at people, and you know, yeah. What happens? It pushes the darkness away. But here's the thing. We don't generate the light. In our situation, we don't generate the light. We're like the moon. We reflect it. We don't generate the light. The light comes from Jesus. comes from His glory. And our job is to reflect it. I remember when we were first here and it was the first winter and I got up in the middle of the night and you know the nights I'm talking about when, when it's as bright as day when all the light is being reflected off the snow and, 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 and it's just, just bright and I remember running back to bed and I grabbed Donna I shook her I said Donna, Donna you gotta see this it's bright and she said I'll see it tomorrow It was just, wow. Because all the light was reflected. And I told my Minnesota friends, and they said, yeah, that happens a lot. It's the snow, it's the clouds, it's just, it just happens. Reflected light. Well, there's a few truths about that. When we reflect light, first of all, you have to be in the light to reflect the light. If you're not in the light, you can't reflect the light. For the moon to reflect the sun's light, it has to be in the sun's light. If you don't know Jesus Christ, my friend, you can't reflect his light. Are you in the light? But secondly, you must be intentionally positioned to shine the light. You see, remember the watch. You would shine it where you wanted it to go. Where are you reflecting God's light? Who are you shining it on? Who are you reflecting God's glory on? Who are you saying, hey, here's God's glory, I want you to see it. Who are you giving the glory of God to? Are you using your light for the purpose for which it was created? Secondly, you need to live in the need. Jesus was going in and out. The people, the Pharisees were, uh, here's the setting that for this verse. Jesus is going in and out of people's homes and people's lives. And he was going out of a certain home that the Pharisees thought was unworthy. And they're complaining about Jesus. And Jesus says this to them. But when he had heard their complaints, he said, Those who are well have not a need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Jesus goes and says, listen. Now it's interesting, these people, they go to Jesus' followers. They don't go to Jesus. Jesus is standing 10 feet away, so Jesus has to go to them and say, listen, you want to take me on, take me on, but let's talk about this. And I'm going to go to people in need. There is a house on a street. The guy, this neighbor, looked at it. Grass had gotten about yay high. The garage door was falling off. There were two cars in the yard that weren't running. And he had had it. It's dragging down property values. So he called the city. The city showed up and wrote a, wrote a ticket. He went over to talk to one of the other neighbors. And that neighbor said, oh yeah, that's, there's a lady who lives in that house. Uh, she has her mother there. Her mother's dying. And she had to quit her job so she could take care of her mom. And the neighbor goes, now aren't, aren't you a Christian or something? Don't you guys help those type of people? And the neighbor who had turned in the lady goes, yeah, I think we're supposed to. And uh, so he walked over to the lady's house, knocked on her door, said, hey, man, I'm your neighbor. Just uh, heard you're, you're facing some hard times. I'm going to be making some phone calls with your permission. I'm going to have a group, group of guys over. We're going to fix your garage door. I got some guys who know some mechanics. We're going we're to work on those cars, see if we can get at least one of them running. And uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to be out today and uh, start mowing your lawn. Do you need some meals, ma'am? Do you need some help in the house? And the lady started to cry. She goes, you won't believe it. The city just came by and wrote me a ticket to get all this stuff done. Ma'am, I need to apologize for that. That was because of me. And I need to make up for that. You see, ma'am, I'm a Christian. And I forgot what I was supposed to do. Through building that relationship, he was able to share Jesus Christ with her. 
And she came to know Jesus Christ. But you say, that's a lot of work. Well, yeah, needs take time. When we walk with people, it takes time. It may be late night calls. It may be texts. It may be rebuilding breaks or taking someone to the store or mowing a lawn. It may mean long talks. It may mean, needs may mean messy. People are messy and so are their problems. And when we live incarnationally in this world, we will dive into messy people. And sometimes it won't just be dealing with people's problems, but sometimes it'll be people we hang with may not be the people we want to hang with. Because their world is so different than ours. Sometimes needs may mean resources. Out my door this last week. Hey, Greg, there's a guy we need you to talk with. He's using the shower right now. You'll be glad he's using the shower right now. Oh, okay. Uh, So he comes in and and he had had a really rough go in life and, and had made some, some bad mistakes. And, and uh, we talked through, and we, I know Jesus Christ. I just need to get back right with him. Okay, we can do this. And I got him hooked up with the church and, and did all this. And so we're sitting there, and I hear this sound. It's his stomach. Now, right before they knocked on my door, I was thinking about the pastrami sandwich I had in my fridge. It was a nice one because it was from Norm's. You know? And if you've never had a pastrami sandwich from Norm's, it's good. You know? And I, I looked at him. I said, when did you eat last? Six this morning. Do you have any money to eat? No. You got anything in your car to eat? No. You like pastrami? (laughs) It's my favorite. Lord, why can't you bring somebody allergic to pastrami? And we laugh because that, but sometimes it is. You are going to have sacrifices. Sometimes it's going to be a real sacrifice of resources and brokenness. And it's going to hurt to help them because it touches where you're hurt. And at that moment, you have to trust that the same Jesus you're saying will heal them, will heal your heart as well. Thirdly, we have to be compelled by love. I want to tell you a story about Bob. Down in San Diego. It's on the beach. And he and his wife were sitting there, you know, by the beach. And this guy comes walking, walking up. And he'd stop and he'd look at him. And he'd walk by. And he'd turn around and he'd walk back. And then he'd walk back. And he'd walk back. Finally, he got up the nerve to ask them a question. He goes, 
that faces the ocean. Can, can I borrow your back porch? I'm in love. And I want to propose to my girl on your back porch. He doesn't know these people. They don't know him. But Bob is one of these people that just believes, sure. So he goes, why not? Then very next day, the guy's back. I, I know you gave me the back porch, but I'd like to serve her dinner first. And I've got 20 friends who will help serve the dinner. Is that okay? And what did Bob say? Sure. And then, two days later, he comes back and does this whole dance again. And he, he goes, I'd like to hook up my stereo to your back porch so that after dinner that my 20 friends serve, I can dance with her and then ask her to marry me. So Bob goes, sure. About a week later, he shows up again. He says, I notice you have a boat. How about after I take her to your back porch and we have dinner with my 20 friends serving and I dance with her, we get in the boat and you drive us out into the bay and I propose to her. Now this guy is wildly inappropriate, don't you think? But he's compelled by love. What does Bob say? Sure! But Bob goes one beyond that. Bob calls the Coast Guard. Bob says to the Coast Guard, Hey, I've got this guy. And he goes through the whole story. And he says, Do you have a fireboat? <laughs> and they said, Yeah. Yeah, I've got a fireboat. Okay, I will have your boat come up behind me. And then I'll blow my horn when he proposes. Then you hit your lights and then douse us with water. And we'll celebrate. The Coast Guard says, yeah. So the night comes. Everything happens. They get in the boat. They go out. Guy gets on his knee. Will you marry me? The girl's, yes, I'll marry you. Coast Guard, lights, water, everywhere. They're all drenched. And she's like, this is amazing. Why? Because they were compelled by love. Notice, if they will do that this way, why do we follow the word who became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood? It is the love of Christ that compels us. It is he who connects us to our neighbor and friends and family. Look at the verse. 
For the love of Christ controls us, compels us, because we have concluded this, that the one who has died for all, therefore all have died. Notice what this says. The love of Christ, His love. His love is alive. His love is alive in us. His love is alive for His purpose. His love is alive for His goal. His love is for a people gone astray. His love is for His Father's glory. His love moves us. It is a love for Christ. It is our response because His love in us causes us to love Him. We move and are compelled not only because of His love moving in us, but because of what His love has done for us that we cannot help it. We love Him. And because of this, we have a love for others. And because of His love and our love for Him, these two loves overflow and our love for others. We want them to know the love that we have experienced and the love that we carry. And we are convinced that the one who died for all, this gospel-centered love, it is all because of this gospel. It is all centered in Jesus and His finished work. We want them to know. Notice, fourthly, is being His witnesses to all people. So Jesus gets ready to leave. He told His people his heart. He gave them his heartfelt commands. I want you to listen to his words. If you want to know God's will for your life, my friends, here it is. It's clear. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. I want you to see a few things with me. Number one, it's spirit-powered, not flesh-powered. You cannot do this alone. Reaching out to this world is always God-directed, God-powered, God-inspired. And as my friend Jim likes to say, it's God putting the want to in us. Friends, it has to be. I got to hear Lee Strobel speak this week. He wrote The Case for Christ. If you haven't seen the movie, I think it's on Netflix right now. He came to Christ was some people God brought into his life. He said when he was an atheist, he and his wife had their first child, a beautiful little girl. And the first day that they were to bring that little girl into their, into their hospital room, the doctor said, something's wrong. We're not sure your daughter's going to make it. And Lee said, he went out and he was walking in the, in the hallway. And he says, I remember the phone on the wall and it rang and the nurse picked it up and the nurse said is there a Lee Strobel here and he walked over and there was a man on the other end of the phone by the name of David David was a pastor he had mocked David 
He had made fun of David. He had lied to David. He had cussed out David. He had been mean to David. He had, been made, he, had, he had just been horrible to David, all of their relationship. And David, he picks up the phone, and David goes, Lee, I just heard. What can I do? I'm on my way. I've cleared my schedule. If you need me to run errands, I'll run errands. I'll make phone calls. I'll bring you whatever you need. And David, I'm praying, or, or Lee, I'm praying for you, and my whole church is praying for you. And we're here for you. And Lee said, It broke me because I didn't deserve that kind of response. But why could David give him that kind of response? It's because he was controlled by the Spirit of God, not by the flesh of men. Spirit controlled. Notice what he says. Jerusalem. That's your home base. That's my home, my family. People who think like me, who act like me, who like my foods, who go to my places, who root for my teams, who like my hobbies. Judea, people as well. We have maybe some things in common. We share maybe some of our culture, some of our beliefs, some of our heritage, maybe our politics, maybe things like that. Samaria, people are similar but different. What they believe drives me up a wall. They may look like me, but I can't stand their politics. I don't like their culture or whatever it is. You fill in the blank. They're not the people I want to hang out with. I avoid these people. They're so different. And God says the love of Christ compels you. The Spirit directs you. Go and love them and share the gospel. We also find common ground without common. But how we do it? Well, again, the answer is found in the Scriptures. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jew I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law. Not as being outside the law of God, but under the law outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might say with them in its blessing. I want to share with you a story I learned this week. One of our sister congregations down in Iowa is Valley Church. And they have made it their desire to be a blessing to their community. So imagine the, the pastor immediately when a Hindu couple walked into the church. I mean, full robes, full everything. And they asked to see the pastor. They were a Hindu couple. And the Hindu couple came in and said, we have your card. And you said you would like to be a blessing to this community that you'd like to love. We wonder if you would 
allow us to have our son's graduation party here. The pastor looked at him and said, will it have any spiritual significance? Because we are a church and, you know, we do have some biblical grounds we need to stand on, but I said, no, no, it's just we want to celebrate our, our child graduating and we can't find a place to, to hold it. And the pastor goes, we have 75,000 square feet of facility. We will make it happen. And so this is amazing. And, he's, and he said, um, I actually worked with your, he told the pastor, your town, and I worked with him, and he gave me your name and number. And so, you know, there was that connection there, and they began to talk about that. And then at the end of their conversation, they said, we have one more question. It has to do with this card you sent us, which brought us in. On the back of your card, it said, we're invited to Good Friday and Easter. What are those, and what do they mean? Talk about the gospel. Talk about served up on a platter. Talk about giving new life and hope. That's what this is about. What does it mean to come alongside of someone? It means not to do it in hypocrisy or pretending to be someone I'm not, but learning how to speak so a person can listen and listen so I can hear what that person is saying. It's an act of gaining trust so that when I share the gospel, the person knows I'm not sharing it for personal gain, but because I want to give them the greatest gift I know. In it, I give up my rights for comfort, privileges, all because the gospel is that important. It's all about the gospel and not me. It's about the person being able to hear and understand the beauty of the gospel. I give up my preferences if it means that person coming to Christ. My preferences mean nothing compared to the greatness of the gospel. Do you know the sign of a dying church? It's when my preferences outweigh the gospel. It does not mean I give up God's truth. We never back down or surrender the truth of God's Word. God's Word speaks truth in so many areas, and we stand firm on it, even if it's not popular in our culture. And if people are offended by God's truth, so be it. If they are offended by my sin in His name, that's something else. So how I handle the Word is important. Do I use it as a mirror for people to see themselves as the Holy Spirit reveals? Or do I use it as a club? My goal is for them to hear the gospel and share with them its blessing. Well, we're almost out of time, so let me conclude. In Obermergau, I know I just blew that name, there's a special play called the Passion Play. 
which celebrates the last days of Christ's life. Years ago, there was an actor who played Christ who was named Anton Lang. And after a particular performance, a couple snuck back behind the stage. And they started taking pictures. And the actor came up to see what was going on. And this was the actor who played Christ in the Passion Play. And uh, they took a picture of him. And then the husband said, Sweetie, sweetie, take a picture of me as I pick up the cross. And so he rushed to the stage. And he put his shoulder underneath the cross and started to lift it up. But realized he could not even budge it. Because the cross was made of heavy iron oak beams, weighing a couple hundred pounds or more. The man looked at the actor. He says, why do you carry such a heavy cross? And the actor replied, sir, if I do not feel the weight of the cross, I could not play his part. If I do not feel the weight of his cross, I could not play his part. I want you to let that sink in. The love of Christ compels us. The gospel motivates us. The weight of the cross moves us to reach others. Do you feel the weight of the cross this morning, my friends? The weight that was carried for you. The weight that our Savior carried so that you could know His grace and His glory and His truth. When He left heaven, and moved into the neighborhood to save you, to save me. If he did that for us, how can we not take his gospel to our world? Amen? Amen.